Hey. Have you ever done something in your life that you wish you just didn't do? <laughs> Have you ever had like a moment where you thought, man, I just wish I could get that back. I wish I didn't go that far. Maybe it's something you said. Maybe something that you said to someone that you wish you could just immediately get those words back as soon as they came out. Or, or, or maybe, you know, it's just something that makes you feel bad. Maybe it's something that makes you feel guilty or ashamed. And I feel like in a lot of times in our lives we have those situations. And while you're thinking about that moment for you, I just want to say good morning and happy Easter to everybody, man. So, so very glad that you guys chose Bethesda to be your church uh, for Easter Sunday. I, I'm just so excited. And just know this, that you are absolutely welcome here. <laughs> and we are just so glad that you chose us to be your church. You are just welcome here. You walk through the door and you're Bethesda people, and that's how it works. And we're just so glad that you chose us. And uh, whether, you know, you came here on your own accord or you were dragged here kicking and screaming, whatever, we're just glad you're here, man. We're just glad you're here, and uh, we hope you have an awesome experience. And I was thinking the other day about Easter, about how, you know, my Easter's as a child went, how things went for me when I was young, and going to church and what Easter looked like. And it was like, it was this. It was dressing up, and it was looking nice, and, and it was trying to, you know, whatever and and then I knew as a kid at the very end of service there's going to be a time for me to hunt some eggs <laughs> and I knew there was going to be candy all right and I knew it all right so I was excited about that and I mean does anybody else have these experiences do you guys remember the egg hunts where like back in the day they would have the hard-boiled eggs remember this and they would decorate them individually I'm saying a lot of shaking heads everybody knows what I'm talking about and there'll be a prize egg, and this prize egg, you'd get like an awesome prize, maybe like a basket with a cool toy or a basket with a basketball in it or something. And it was just really exciting. You wanted to get that prize egg, and you knew, like, if you got the egg with three crosses on it, you knew that was a prize egg, right? You knew that was it. And then, like, if you got the egg with the, the stone rode away, that was the prize egg, right? So you went after those eggs, and you'd be excited. And that was my... That was my goal, and that was my idea of a successful Easter egg hunting adventure. Now, my mother's idea of a successful Easter hunting adventure would be a little different than mine. As a kid, her idea was, has anybody ever seen these? Reese's eggs? This was her idea. If I had come home with a basket full of these, this was mom's idea of a happy Easter. Can anybody else agree that these things are just delicious? Come on now. All right, so anyway, so if you've ever seen, like, at a baseball game, I know just recently this week, Pastor Ben had the opportunity to uh, pep talk with the, with the Lewis County High School baseball team. Congratulations on Tuesday, by the way, get that win. And, uh, and so he got an opportunity to do that. It worked. Leaner lifter, you remember? Yeah, maybe not. Who knows? But anyway, so <laughs> but what happened is they pep them up. They're excited. They're getting them stoked up for the match something that's getting ready to happen they're speaking to them right and every sunday easter sunday i would get the pep talk right before the easter egg hunting adventure i would get the same pep talk it would be like hey this is getting ready to happen like like it's getting ready to go down all right and you have to get the reese's eggs but i'm like mom what about the prize egg don't worry about the prize egg all right you need the reese egg okay you have to have the Reese egg, and that was the idea. And let me tell you something, I didn't get the prize egg 
but I did get plenty of these, and I'm telling you right now, this is the prize egg, all right? <laughs> to me, this right here is the prize egg. So I went out, I bought a bag for Vanceburg campus, and I bought a bag for Kentucky Heights campus. I'm going to throw them out, let the kids hunt them, and that was just one of my highlights of my Easter uh, egg hunting career, so I'm going to pass that on to them, and uh, hopefully they enjoy it as much as I did, because hey, I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I enjoyed it, right? <laughs> so that's just how that works. Um, before we go ahead and jump into the rest of the sermon, I just want to pray with you guys really quickly and just invite the Holy Spirit to be with us today. Uh, Father God, I'm so grateful for your provision in this church, God, for your blessings upon us. God, I'm so grateful that you chose to, to open up the windows of heaven, God, and just send your spirit to us. God, I ask today that you would allow us to um, hear your word and allow it to penetrate our hearts, penetrate our minds, God, and leave us wanting more, wanting change, and, and just allow your spirit and your, and your word to change us, God. We are so grateful for you, and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever done something you wish you could take back? At the very beginning, I asked that question. Hopefully, you came up with something. And maybe for you, it was something that you did back in college. Or maybe it was something that you did in high school, something that you did that, that I wish I could get that back. Maybe it was something that you did recently. Maybe it was something you did last month, last week even. Maybe it's something that you're actively doing today. Like it's something that is still plaguing you, something that is still holding you back, keeping you where you're at. There's something inside of you, and we all have that thing. And I imagine that's how Peter felt as well. You see, Peter was a man whom God really, really, really loved. He wanted to bless Peter. He wanted to use Peter and just bless him immensely. And he had great trust in Peter. But Peter was a man like many of us. He had issues. He struggled. And the Bible speaks of many accounts of of Peter's rage and how he would fly off the handle or and he was borderline a bigot kinda and he would he would eat with certain crowds and he would he would not only associate with others if there was you know Jew, other Jewish people around he wouldn't associate with Gentiles he wouldn't eat with them just because they were different and so he had these different struggles these different issues and Paul even speaks about having to get in his face and say Peter man you can't just eat with certain people. You've got to eat with everybody. You've got to love everybody. That's what it's all about. You can't just be with, well, you can't be like that. You've got to be different. And Paul speaks of reprimanding him. And Peter was also a man who allowed sin to take him to a place that he never thought he would go, to an area which he thought, I'm not going to go that far. And really, that's what sin does to us, isn't it? Like we get to a place to where it starts to numb us, starts to dull our senses. And we say, you know, I'll do this, but I'll never cross that line. Like, I'm not going past that. I, I, I'll go this far, but you bet I ain't going this far. You know, I won't do that thing. And Jesus tells Peter, listen, man, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, doubt it. <laughs> not not, not going to happen. Not likely. Like, I might fly off the handle and cut someone's ear off in my rage, but I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I might, yeah, I might sit with others and hang out with others, but when my friends come around, I'm not going to talk to them. But listen, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I will not deny you. I will not do that. I won't go that far. But sin does what it does best. 
slowly, surely. And I was thinking that as an alcohol and drug counselor, I get the opportunity to meet with drug addicts every single day. And I say I get the opportunity because I think it's an actual, absolutely blessing that I get to do it. I love doing it. But I get to meet with them every single day. And I get to ask them what their drug of choice is. And it's usually one of two. It's either heroin or meth. And then I ask them, what's your preferred route of use? Like, how do you like to use it? And it's usually IV. And about 92% of those people that say that say, but, you know, I never thought I would get there. I never thought I would use a needle. Like, I was never intending to get to the place. Like, I'm afraid of needles. I, I don't want to use a needle. I, but, and then I always ask them, well, what happened? Why are you using one now? <laughs> and it's always the same story. Well, you know, I used them this way so long, and then, you know, I didn't have any, and this person already had this one set up for me, so I just used it once. You know, it's just once, but, but then you use it once, and it's like, well, I can use it again. I can use it one more time. I can do this again, and then before you know it, you've stepped so far that, oh, no, I'm in the place where I said I would never go. Oh, I'm doing the thing I said I would never do. I'm saying the things I said I would never say. I'm reacting in ways I said I would never react. And then you have those moments where you feel like you're stuck, like it holds you down. And it tells you that you're not worthy. It tells you that you're not able to be free. It tells you that you can't get rid of it, that you're the only person, literally the only person dealing with this thing, and you can't get away from it. And this is what happens to Peter. He goes too far, and the way it happens is Jesus is taken captive, and when he is, Peter follows close behind him. And when he's following close behind him, he's, he's spotted by a young woman, and she says, hey, what, wasn't you one of the ones with Jesus when he was taken captive? No, 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 that wasn't me. <laughs> you, you got the wrong guy. That's not me, all right? And then a little later, he's spotted by the cousin of the man whose ear he chopped off. He said, hey, man, did you, you, was with the, you were the one that cut off my cousin's ear. Like, what, what were you? That was you, right? You were with him. No, 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 you got the wrong guy. Not me. <laughs> not me. And then for the last time, another girl sees him and says, you know, you, you have the same accent. You were with him. I know for a fact you're with him. No, I promise. I was never with him. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. And the third time he denies Jesus, he hears the rooster crow. He feels immediate guilt, shame. He's gone too far. He's done the thing that he promised Jesus he would never do. He's gone too far. And can I stand before you today as the youth pastor of this church and just say, listen, I've gone too far. I've allowed sin in my life to take me to places that I never thought it would go. To say things I never thought I would say. To do things I never thought I would do. Like that's happened in my life. And it can happen in everyone's life. And so I ask you, what have you done? What's the thing that... that that, that's holding you back? What's that thing that keeps popping into your mind? Uh, that thing that says, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Have you gone too far? Have you done something you wish you could take back? I have good news for you. If you do, <laughs> I have great news. Jesus does not run from his betrayers and his people who deny him. He does not run from them. He pursues them, and he restores them. He pursues the people, and he restores them. He forgives. In John chapter 21, Jesus, this was after Jesus had been 
buried and he had, um, he had came back and resurrected and he had appeared to his disciples and this is the third time uh, the account of the third time that he appears to his disciples and we'll read just a little bit out of this it says this after this Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Because, <laughs> I mean, what do you do when you've messed up a relationship so bad? <laughs> like, like, what do you do? Jesus is dead. Like, you know, the jig's up, right? Like, I, what do I do? I go back to what I used to do. I'm, I'm going back to fishing. Like, that's the thing that made me money before. That's how I eat. That's how I survive. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going to go fish. And the rest of the disciples were like, that's a great idea. Let's go. And so they go out in the boat, and they catch nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, and he said, fellows. And if you look at that word fellows, it's a word of acknowledgement, a word that says, like, hey, I know you guys. Not like, hey, strangers. It's like, hey, hey, fam. Yeah, he's got it. Sorry, that's a Gen Z term. If you guys don't know, uh, you're, if you don't know, you're too old to know, all right? So just, hey. But anyway, he's saying like, hey, guys, hey, brothers, hey, hey, fellows, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, we haven't caught any fish. It's been awful. And he said, throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, John, he notices that it's Jesus standing on the shore. And he's like, oh, man, it's Jesus, guys. It's the Lord. He's, he's here. He, he's here, guys. And Peter hears it. He gets excited. He jumps out of the boat. He swims 100 yards to shore. And then the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore, for they're only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire. That's right. Jesus cooked with charcoal take that with you that's a little lesson that you can take home jesus cooked with charcoal it was probably kingsford probably kingsford <laughs> so he cooks breakfast for his friends on the beach he's got breakfast made he cooks breakfast for his friends and for the people who betrayed him for the people who denied him And he tells Peter, he says, hey, come have some breakfast. <laughs> and this is really a beautiful scene in the Bible, I think. He's sitting on the, on the beach, it's beautiful. It's probably the sun's coming up, he's got breakfast cooking, they're sitting there talking. He says, hey, come for breakfast. And if you think about it in terms of today, how we treat the people who betray us, how we treat people that upset us, make us angry, or do us wrong, or, or people we just don't like, like how do we treat those people? If we see them in Collins's or in Save-A-Lot or we're at Kroger or Walmart, what do we do? <laughs> we back up, right? Like, I don't need that thing that bad. I'll wait. I'll go to the other side of the store. I'll hang out in Lawn Garden for a while. Hopefully they clear out. Like, I don't want to see them. They don't want to see me done with it. Like, you know, we avoid them at all costs. Or maybe it's just somebody that really annoys you. Like, you just don't want to talk to them. You just back up, right? You certainly don't invite them for breakfast. You don't invite them 
and say, hey, I cooked you guys breakfast. I, I know you messed, you know, you, you did some things to me in the past, and you were evil, and you were mean, and you, did, you denied me, and you said you didn't know who I was, but I made you breakfast, and, and uh, I'm pursuing you. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he not only pursues us, but Jesus restores us as well. In verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. And Jesus repeated the question. He said, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? He said, yes, you, yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. He said, well, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes. And I imagine he's just feeling the weight of the sin, the weight of the denial, the weight of all these things pressing down on him, just feeling it, having Jesus looking him in the eye and saying, do you, do you still love me? Like, you denied me, but do you still love me? Do you still care? Are you still here with me? Like, are you here? Are you out there? He says, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. I love you. I, I messed up. I, I love you. He says, well, then take care of my sheep. You see, Peter had gone back to doing the thing that he used to be doing instead of carrying on what Jesus had called him to do to begin with. See, a lot of times we mess up and we think, well, that's it. <laughs> Done with that. Go back to what I used to do. But Jesus is saying, listen, I know you messed up. I know, I know you messed up, but also I'm not just going to pursue you and, and give you forgiveness, but I'm also going to restore you back to what you were doing before. Like, like, like you can come back and there's still work to be done, Peter. There's still a church to be built. There's still people to be saved. There's still sermons to be preached. You have these things going for you, Peter. Don't just go back to fishing. Restore you. I'm restoring you to do what I called you to do to begin with. I'm so thankful that we serve a God and that a God has risen from the grave to pursue me and to restore me. Jesus doesn't run from his betrayers. He pursues them and he restores them. So I ask you this morning, what, what have you done? What have you been carrying around? Like, what's that thing that's just like, it's like baggage, like you drag it everywhere you go. And when you're alone and you're not numbing it with work or you're not numbing it with drugs or alcohol, you're not numbing it with the things of this world, but when you're just quiet driving by yourself and it comes to your mind, like, there has to be more than this. There has to be something else going on here. Like, what, what is that thing? And what lie have you been listening to that said you can't get rid of it? What lie have you heard that says you're stuck here and you'll be stuck here and you're the only one that's stuck here and nobody else can ever understand what you're going through? Nobody gets you. Nobody understands you. You're just going to deal with this sin for the rest of your life and then die and that's it, period. <laughs> what lie have you heard that makes you think, I have to stay here. I can't move forward. I can't move back. What lie is that? I'm here to tell you this morning 
with great joy that that is a lie. That you don't have to stay where you're at. That you don't have to continue on this path. You can move forward. You can go forward. You can. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to have this guilt. You don't have to have that. Like you can get rid of that. Isn't that good news? How long have you been searching for someone just to forgive you? How long have you been searching for forgiveness? I was reading a story, as a short story by Ernest Hemingway. And in the story, there's a man and his son. His son's name is Paco. And they live in Spain, and this takes place centuries ago. And at this time, Paco really, really wanted to be a bullfighter. Like, he just really wanted to be a bullfighter. It was like our kids today, they want to be, what, cops, firemen, doctors. Like, but in Spain, these kids wanted to be bullfighters, man. And so he gets old enough, finally, he grows up, he gets old enough, he realizes, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Madrid, and I'm going to be a bullfighter. That's my goal. That's, my, that's what I want to do. So he tells his father. His father gets very angry. He says, no, 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 you can't go to Madrid. You have to stay here, work in the family business. You know, you can't go off. It's dangerous. And they end up getting in this huge, huge argument. And it ends with the father saying, listen, if you go to Madrid to be a bullfighter, that's it. We're done. We're not talking anymore. We're not, this is it. And the son says, fine. And he heads off to Madrid to be a bullfighter. At this time, there was no cell phones. There was no social media. There was none of that stuff. He couldn't just hop on the phone or text Paco and say, hey, Paco, come home. The father starts missing his son. And so he, the only thing he knows to do is go to Madrid and start asking people if they've seen a boy named Paco. So he's heading out. He goes to Madrid. He gets there. He starts asking people in the cafes. He starts asking people in the bullfighting rings, hey, have you seen my son Paco? Have you seen my son Paco? And they're like, listen, dude, you're in Madrid. Like, every other person is named Paco. Like, it's one of the most popular names. You have to be more specific. And he starts giving details of what he looks like, and still nobody has seen him. So one last desperate attempt, he takes out an ad in the newspaper. And the ad said, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. The father in Hemingway's story prayed that the boy would see the ad and just maybe, maybe he would come. So on Tuesday at noon, he goes to the Hotel Montana, and he just he can't believe his eyes. He gets there, and there's been a, a squadron of police that have been called to keep order amongst 800 young men named Paco. See, 800 men named Paco had read that ad, and 800 men had showed up at the Hotel Montana to find their fathers and to find forgiveness that they so desperately wanted. 800 boys named Paco had read that ad. 800. And I asked myself, what is Easter? Well, that's Easter. Easter is a father saying, listen, I know you've messed up. I know you've gone to the place you said you wouldn't go. I know you did that thing. I know you said that thing. I know you've messed up. I know that. I know. But listen, all is forgiven. Love Papa. That's Easter to me. And that's what Easter is for all of us. It is an open invitation to each one of you saying, 
You don't have to be in your mess. You don't have to be in that anymore. You don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to do that. All is forgiven. Love Papa. So in a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity to pray a prayer of salvation. And I just want to extend this opportunity to you because it's a, it's a great, great, great opportunity. And, and today is a day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and what he'd done for us. And more importantly, I just don't want to live in a world where I feel like I'm stuck. <laughs> I don't want to be in a moment where I just I can't get out. I don't, I, I don't like that feeling. And I don't want to see you do that either. So I'll give you the opportunity if we'll all stand and, and, uh, and bow your head, close your eyes. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to ask, if you're here today, and that's you, you, you've had something in your life, you've had that going on, like you're here and you feel like you are stuck, you feel like you are going through that motions and motions, and you just feel like, man, I can't, I can't get out of this, I have to be the only one going through this, I promise you, you're not. And I promise you that there's salvation. There's a Father in heaven who said, listen, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. So if that's you today, and you want to slip up your hand and say, listen, I want to say the salvation prayer today. Go ahead and lift your hand up. Go ahead. Amen. God sees those hands. God sees that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I see that. Amen. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, if that was you, listen, I ain't going to come to you. I'm not going to have to come up front. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm just going to have everybody in this room repeat this prayer, okay? If you, Even if you are a Christian still, you, I just want you to repeat it as well because I just want everybody to just do this together. If you will just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for your sacrifice. I accept today the free gift of salvation that you offer through your Son. Be the Lord of my life. Change me and create in me a new heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.